Welcome back to Radio Silence here on Radio Fodder. I'm Carla and I might sound a little bit different today because I only just got my voice back, but luckily I'm joined by Catriona, Cade and Kai today and together we're going to be bringing science into focus. Um, As it is the last episode for this semester, um, we're going to be having a little bit of fun today and... (laughs) lying to each other <laughs> but because we're good friends because we're great friends but I, that doesn't okay. <laughs> um but yeah all for the love of science so to get our show started today i wanted to ask do you have like a go-to lie or something that you enjoy lying about i don't like to lie i'm a very honest person and i never never ever ever okay. is that a lie how can we tell? <laughs> that may, in fact, be my go-to <laughs> lie, Kai. Uh, you may have spotted it. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't think I do, though. Is like I because I try in principle to be honest. I value <laughs> that quite highly, generally. But you know, occasionally. But like, I have a go-to. No, not that I want to. Not that I want to. Yeah, <laughs> the people who I'm lying to listen to this show. Like, <laughs> I'm not about to give my game away. Um, <laughs> what about you, Katrina? Um, oh, there was this lie that I, <laughs> a story, a story that I told right. in high school. Yeah. Um, like, you know how in Facebook you can like have relationships and like you can make people your family. Mm-hmm. Like I made one of my best friends my family, but she went to another school and she like, so she was my sister. And there were people at my school who I was like, yeah, when is my twin sister? Oh my God. And then there was one day I came to school and I used a different accent for the entire day. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm Wynn. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know about me, but probably the most things I would, if, if you count this as lying, is just lying by omission. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. like not telling people yeah. the whole story because most of the time I just can't be bothered explaining <laughs> yeah. like all the intricate details. It's like I, you don't need to know. Um, maybe that's lying. Maybe it's not. <laughs> Mine's kind of piggy, piggybacking off of that actually and I noticed it today because I was running a little bit late. But when I'm running late, I'll tell the person I'm running later than I am so I'm still kind of Yeah, early. I did notice you messaged the group saying you would be here just before four and in fact you were here before both kind of <laughs> I don't – my parents like uber punctual though so mm. I don't know if it's just been ingrained in me that you have to be mm. on time. Mm. Yeah, if you're um, not five minutes early, you're five minutes late. Yeah. Did you also grow up in a military family or <laughs> – <laughs> well, I'm Vietnamese. Like, everyone's an hour out, like, mm. at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that would be my go-to lie. But anyway, let's get into some news for the week. Um, Kate, what have you got for us? So, <clears throat> my news is about plant-based diets. So, you know, look, I'm going to I'm gonna be that vegetarian. I'm going to get up here <laughs> on my little moral high horse and be like, guys, <laughs> I've been telling you for the last, like, 15 years, don't eat meat. Um, because a new meta-analysis published this week found that vegetarian and vegan diets are linked to lower levels of cholesterol and fats in your blood, which these researchers say mean that these plant-based diets can lower the risk of heart and blood vessel diseases such as stroke and heart attack. So essentially... We kind of did already know this. A lot of studies looking at this sort of thing um, have come out before, but none quite so detailed as this one. So this looked at 30 different randomized trials with a total of 2,372 participants um, looking at studies published between 1982 and 
2022. Um, and essentially, these they were looking at trials that quantified the effect of this plant-based diet versus an omnivorous diet, so one that also eats meat, on different types of cholesterol. And so they looked at all these different types of cholesterol, looked at all these different other factors as well, and they essentially found that the effect of plant-based diets was similar to about a third of the effect of taking like a cholesterol-lowering medication like statins, for example. And it would result in about a 7% reduction in the risk of cardiovascular disease in someone who maintained a plant-based diet for just five years. I say just five years. Five years, I guess, is a chunk. But I mean, I'm sitting up here on my three times that uh, 15 years vegetarian, high horse, being like, well, guys. And you're um, actually like, no one can see us right now, but you are standing standing. and everyone else is sitting. There were only three chairs in the room, but also, yes. Just like towering over Um, us saying, don't eat meat. Yeah, look. um, But don't. Science agrees with me. Uh, That's my news for the week. Kat, how about you? Um, well, I have some really cool news in that a team of engineers at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, has um, recently shown that nearly any material can be turned into a device that harvests electricity from humidity what? in the air. Um, so, essentially, they can they can do it with nanopores. That, that, that's what it comes down to, yeah, nanoscale okay. stuff. <laughs> um so essentially, the secret lies in being able to like pepper the material with nanopores that are less than mm-hmm. 100 nanometers in diameter. So that's mm-hmm. um, very, very small, like less than a thousandth of the width of a human hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the reason for that is that um, it's, it's the distance that a single molecule of water in the air can travel before bumping into another water molecule. So it's kind of like the distance, the, the, the kind of space that an individual water molecule has around it. Um, so if you have these nanopores in the material, it lets water pass through, like individual molecules of water pass through from the upper to the lower part of a material. So like think of like mm-hmm. layers. Mm-hmm. So you've got water moving through, but because each spore is so small, it's only allowing one molecule in at a time, the water molecules are going to easily bump into the, the edge as they sort of like try and get through. And mm-hmm. that means that the upper part of the layer is going to be bombarded with like water molecules, which we don't usually think about as like polar and charged, but they, they kind of are. Mm, like they, they, are, they yeah. have this charge. So um, you're, you're creating essentially a charge imbalance with like lots of them trying to get into the top and then mm-hmm. you've got fewer down the bottom. And then kind of like in a cloud, like you know how lightning is essentially electricity yeah. that's like mm. built up charge? Um, that's what you're building up. You're essentially like building up right. mini lightning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, this could effectively create a battery and one that runs as long as there's humidity in the air, which is mm. like a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- this could pretty much be designed from literally all kinds of materials as long as you can put those nanopores in there. Mm. So it's cost effective and it's like quite adaptable. Um, and since humidity is ever present, as someone who like gets frizzy hair and <laughs> humidity would know. In some cities um, more than others. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but this means that it could run 24-7, whereas like things like wind power and solar power, you're relying on wind or you're relying yeah. on like daytime, mm-hmm. um, whereas this is going to always pretty much work. Um, and lastly, a really cool thing that, that works is that because like air humidity kind of diffuses in 3D space mm. <laughs> um, and the thickness of the actual device that you need is very, very, very thin, you can just like stack heaps of them and you can mm. get like a massive battery yeah. that oh, has this sick. on a massive scale to, to generate heaps of electricity. That's so, so it's, cool. yeah, it's, oh it's really cool. So they've shown that they can do it and, you know, hopefully we'll mm. actually see it implemented. Nice. Yeah. Kai? Very cool. Well, we know that the weather's getting a bit colder this time of year and it can be hard to stay warm and 
you yeah often need to wear lots of layers of clothing. But some researchers from the US have developed a new textile that's been inspired by polar bear fur. Oh my gosh, what? And so we know polar bears are white. Yeah. And you might think that that's not very good for trapping heat because we know white reflects light and it's going to reflect some of that heat. Mm. And that maybe the only reason they're white is for camouflage. Mm. But it actually does have to do with trapping heat because turns out the polar bear fur is actually clear. Like... Mm. Each, oh. each of their hairs ah. are individually clear, but when you stack them all up, it makes them look white. Yeah, okay. okay. And this is most mind-blowing when you realize that polar bear skin is actually quite dark. Yeah, it's that's like, what I was going to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that their whole thing, that they have this reflective white fur and then they have, like, black skin? They have so black skin. Clear, how do they still look white when it's stacked? Well, like, it's like, think about... Does it reflect yeah. off the snow and do some weird... Well, it's sort of like if you, I guess, add enough clear things sort of... Mm, and yeah, the scattering like light in all directions. Mostly transparent. And it just is like mostly transparent. It's just, I guess, think about mm. you know if you had, well, like snow is is water and it's clear, True, ice is right? clear. Guess, but if yeah. you get enough of it and it's yeah, sort of yeah, all yeah. jumbled and up, it's on brown dirt. Yeah, yeah, so it scatters light and makes it look oh white, but it is actually clear. Mm, crazy. So, okay. um, so yeah, and also mean? on the on the topic of dark skinned polar bears, if you haven't seen the photos on the internet of like the hairless polar bears, <laughs> definitely look them up because it's bizarre. Mm, <laughs> I have not. Uh, okay, well, save that for for later because I'm going to talk about clear, like the clear fur and how it works to keep the polar bears, um, like keep them warm. And the reason that is is because their fur can actually transmit the light all the way down to their skin which is dark and much better at absorbing the heat. Mm -hmm. So their dark skin absorbs the heat and then the clear fur actually traps the reflected infrared heat. So it's actually like a personal greenhouse effect. Imagine that the the fur is like the Earth's atmosphere. It's the polar bear's little atmosphere and it's letting the light in, but then it's trapping the heat in. So that's, that's how the polar bears are keeping warm. And that's what these researchers have done to make greenhouse jacket. to make a little a greenhouse jacket. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? So they've they've made an outer layer that's clear yeah. and lets the light through, and an inner layer that's dark that absorbs the heat, and then the outer layer traps any reflected heat that's wow, you know nifty. infrared. That's very cool. It's very cool. It's also very lightweight, and they found light that <laughs> wink, wink, nudge. No, that wasn't. Okay. That was good. Um, and provides warmth. Like ten degrees makes keeps you ten degrees warmer than mm-hmm. the equivalent like cotton. Mm-hmm. So and that cotton is about thirty percent heavier. So oh, okay. lightweight, extra warm, and inspired by polar bears. That's mm. awesome. And they also just look really cute. <laughs> <laughs> so would they be like white? Would they be like a translucent kind of I don't know. I'm just I'm I think now, they actually look fashion. they look kind of white for the same reason polar bears yeah. look white, because the way that it scatters yeah. the light. Yeah. Mm. And so implementing this as a fabric presumably then if you colored it or dyed it or something that would interfere with the probably properties um but that's okay white is the new black black? (laughs) i don't know know fashion yeah sure cool awesome cool uh carla what have you got for us um well we've spoken about mosquitoes on the show before and why they're a concern they are a concern sorry they spread numerous debilitating diseases Mm -hmm. and cause more than seven hundred thousand deaths per year So we're scrambling to find new methods of controlling the spread of mosquito-borne diseases. Um, So deltamethrin is actually an insecticide that's used against mosquitoes, and it's usually used in bed nets or sprayed on surfaces in areas where malaria is really prevalent. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's becoming less and less effective over time as mosquito populations become resistant to it. Until now. Oh. So scientists from New York University accidentally found out that if you heat it up, um, the st- structure of the um, delta methyl changes slightly and it becomes effective against even the resistant species. Mm. So That's cool. Yeah. And how they did this accidentally was um, a crystallographer, um, Bart Carr and his colleagues, they were using DDT for a different experiment. Mm. And if you're fami- unfamiliar with um, DDT, it was used um, in agriculture some time ago, but um, it was banned in 1972 because it was just causing a whole bunch of like environmental issues yeah. and yeah, yeah, health yeah. effects. Um So they were looking into DDT, which actually has two different crystal forms, one which performed a lot better than the other. And um, whilst rearranging crystal structures is quite common in, like, drugs and, Mm -hmm. like, medicine in general, the same approach hadn't really been used for insecticides before. So Mm -hmm. they began to look at deltamethrin and they heated it in the oven and this changed its crystal structure, and they exposed five different strains of West African delta methrin-resistant mosquitoes to it, and they all died. Oh, yes. Mm. So across the board, it was really effective. Mm. Um, they even tried putting it in the microwave and found <laughs> that it had similar effects, um, but they're advising against doing this at home just because yeah. you don't really want to be, like, using a microwave to heat up some delta methrin and then heat up some food later. And yeah. Don't try this at home, folks. Yeah. It doesn't actually sound like something I'm keen on. Yeah, but... I guess it's opening up, yeah, a whole um, range of different possibilities for using it. So they're trying to figure out how they can introduce this, like, heated crystal structure into Mm. the bed nets Mm. Mm -hmm. or into, like, a form that can be applied elsewhere. So, yeah, we can be, um, yeah, without mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah, especially because, like, you know, you, you said how many deaths per year, but, like, mm. it's it's one of those trivia things where it is, like, a mosquito is the deadliest animal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has caused far more deaths than, than anything else. Yeah. Anything else. <laughs> All right. So before we play the first song, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Radio Silence and catch up on past episodes on whichever podcast platform you like best. Um, but today on the show, we're actually playing Two Truths, One Lie the science edition (laughs) so feel free to play along if you're listening um but i'm not lying about our first song this is lie by lucas graham that was lie by lucas graham because you are listening to radio silence here on radio fodder and today we're playing Two Truths, One Lie, <laughs> science edition, of course, because we're bringing science into focus. And so, Catriona, you're going to start us off, I believe, with some truths and maybe a lie. <laughs> well, definitely a lie. There, There is right. a lie <laughs> going to be slipped in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just going to say three statements right. and discuss. All right. So. <laughs> we're going to try and work out. <laughs> yeah. Which is a lie. Let's go. Okay. Spotted hyenas are hermaphrodites. Humans have the genes to make venom. And bacteria become more virulent in space. Three facts. All right, give them to me one more time. Okay. Okay. Spotted hyenas are hermaphrodites. Uh Uh-huh. Humans have the genes to make venom. And bacteria become more virulent in space. Okay, I really want number two to be true. (laughs) Um, I don't know if that's how this works, but I want to If you believe enough. I mean, are they functional genes? Like, we might have them, but they don't actually do anything. We have lots of genes that don't do anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, bacteria 
In space. In space. More, well, what how, what how about they, space would make them more virulent? Yeah. What, like, what do we know about space? It's a vast Microgravity <laughs> is probably, the gra- like, yeah. microgravity probably the thing that have the most effect, I would guess. I don't know. Temperature? Temperature? But, I don't know. Body body things get affected by temperature quite a lot. Um, but do they have cold, the right? things that they require for survival in space? Mm. Or do you mean like on the space station? Like I don't think we're going to get it. No, I'm just, I'm just here poker face. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so I'm going to assume in the space station in a, you know. In a lab. In a lab, yeah. Okay. So they're going to have temperature and stuff to keep them alive is well, my guess. Or maybe with guess. like simulated space conditions. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be in space to do that right mm, true mm. um and then what was the other one spotted hyenas a hermaphrodites a hermaphrodites yeah. all of them the specific species the spotted yeah yeah hyena. Yeah. Mm, yeah okay yeah okay i mean i don't know enough i haven't about heard that before are there any other like mammals that are hermaphrodites yeah. i don't know Oh my gosh, we're not gonna. Okay. Okay, we can so we each choose no one, and then one of us will be right. <laughs> that um, feels like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> or is that how we do it? Or do we have to reach a consensus? Actually, I don't think we. Have oh, to actually, no, well, I don't you know. Nah. When, when you're um, ready, no, I'll we'll start put, explaining. <laughs> okay, no, let's. We'll get points. Let's put pick, pick one. Um, all right, I'm gonna say that. The bacteria one is a lie. I yeah, also going to say that. I've got this strange feeling it's actually just the truth but flipped and it's mm. actually they're less virulent mm. in space. Mm. Yeah, there'll be something. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like the first two. I want them both to be true and okay. therefore I'm, just, <laughs> okay. I'm manifesting right. the universe that I want. Let's go. Color? Color? I feel like, yeah, I'll just jump from the bandwagon. <laughs> we'll just go with that. All the um, eggs in one basket. Let's all right. Go. All, all the eggs are in one basket. Well, uh, you are all incorrect. Oh, no. It's true. What? Yeah. Okay, which one's? Yeah, hang on. Well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll right, just right. explain that one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so researchers have put salmonella on a 12-day space flight and they've sent mm. it orbiting around the Earth, but then mm-hmm. um, it's come back. Um and essentially, they just mm, – so salmonella, mm-hmm. food poisoning sort mm-hmm. of bacteria. So they fed it to mice mm. and then found that the the salmonella, same strain, been mm. kept alive the same length of time. Mm. Um, the ones that had been in space were nearly three times as likely to kill the mice. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, so they're like super virulent. Space yeah. makes them super virulent. <laughs> All right. Um, Don't get sick in space. Do yeah, they so, suggest any mechanism for why that was? Yeah, so you, you're kind of touching on it, Kai. Um, like, so it, it's kind of suggested that it's the microgravity mm. or the low – fluid mm-hmm. shear growth environment um so the fact that um you know there's sort of little turbulence there's not really much fluid action you're more mm-hmm. on top of that than i am probably <laughs> um but that sort of plays a major role in the response of salmonella probably to space flight and um the the team compared the pattern of gene expression in the space bacteria compared to the bacteria that weren't in space mm-hmm. and they found that the activity of 167 genes had been changed so like lots of genetic activity oh, wow. changed based on they've been in space yeah yeah, so <laughs> right. that was true. Um, Cade, yes, we have the biological toolkit to oh, make yes. venom. <laughs> okay, cool. How do I harness that is the next question. Um, yeah, well, it's it's a collection of genes. So it's not just mm-hmm. like one gene that helps yeah. us make venom. It's it's a massive toolkit um, and it helps you make venomous saliva. I say you. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you're looking specifically no. at me as you say this as well. And I'm like taking notes. Cool. How do um, <laughs> I make venomous saliva? This is, this is sick. So in fact, all reptiles, 
reptiles and mammals have this genetic toolkit. Oh, really? Yeah, and that actually, it's like sort of a collection of flexible genes and it's associated particularly in humans with the salivary glands mm. um, and it explains why venom has evolved independently from non-venomous ancestors more than a hundred times in the whole animal kingdom. Yeah, because, right, because we're mm. all just, we've all got the tools. Yeah, and It's just a yeah. case of like waking them up. Actually along. unlocking them, mm. yeah. So maybe, maybe mm. somewhere down the future of evolution mm. of humans, if it's beneficial to make venom, <laughs> we might. I'm just, we could, <laughs> but. Um, I'm just wondering why no Spider-Man movie has like locked onto this yet. Yeah, like <laughs> they like to. They should get us to write mm. the next. Yeah, yeah, um, like I'm I was going to say, don't, don't spread okay, this too much. No one. You heard nothing. <laughs> What's the next one? Okay, so wait. So the first one's a lie. Okay. Spotted hyenas, hyenas are, are not hermaphrodites. Yeah, but okay. I, mean, I, I really do want to. probably should have been obvious. I mean, yeah. like, that's why I didn't want to believe it. I was like, that seems too outrageous to be made up. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so they, they are not hermaphrodites, but the females have fake penises. Okay, great. Right. That. No, that's better. Okay. Yeah. That's more. <laughs> um, so if you look between um, a hyena's, a female hyena's back legs, of course, mm-hmm. with permission, um, you'll, find, <laughs> you'll find a thick sort of like phallic structure and it's complete with like false scrotum, false oh testes. Um, so they call it a pseudo penis. Yeah. And it's actually so convincing that like scientists did think that mm-hmm. spotted hyenas were hermaphrodites yeah. for a very long time. Oh my gosh, they duped <laughs> so, the like, scientists. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um so So it's got all the like structural tissue, just none of the functional, like it doesn't Yeah, it's sperm. it's like it's it's mimicry. Yeah. It's it's um yeah, pretty much okay. indistinguishable from the male penis in both length and girth. Mm-hmm. I love that that's a sentence. Well done. <laughs> spotted hyenas um, high five. <laughs> um and also uh, somewhat uncomfortably or it seems uncomfortably uh the internal plumbing is the same like so they've got a uterus in there but like females Ooh. need to urinate through the pseudopenis i was gonna they ask need to have okay. sex through the pseudopenis right, right, um, right. and they give birth through it which is just like oh. ah! no <laughs> um, okay all right mm. <laughs> um but but what i want to point out is that for that anyway. a male to mm-hmm. get into the uterus um, it's kind of like an inbuilt anti-rape mechanism. Um, they, the female Good. has to, yeah, right? Good. The female has to consent, like the, the pseudopenis has to come in so oh. that the male can actually also get in. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So, like, the mm-hmm, whole reproductive mm-hmm. tract is blocked by the, the dud scrotum or the phony oh, scrotum. <laughs> yeah, right? That's, that's good. That's so, yeah, cool. sex doesn't happen without a female's, like, full consent and cooperation. Beautiful. Um, As it should be. Right? It, it should be. Honestly. It should be for all. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a, a, another cool thing is, like, if the females decide it's not worth her time, like, she can actually dump that sperm back out as well, like, as the pseudopenis comes back out. So, yeah, there you go. Lots of fun facts. Facts about the uh, spotted hyena and the females. (laughs) The truth was better than the lie. (laughs) I look. Hard agree. Hard agree. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, which means that our next song is somehow not that fitting because bringing us in, we've got Truth Hurts by Lizzo. <laughs> Welcome back to Radio Silence. We're bringing science into focus here on Radio Fodder. That was Truth Hurts by Lizzo, and today we're going to get into some more truths and lies with Cade. What have you got for us? So, 
look, okay, before I get into what I'm actually going to be talking about, I just want to bring it back to, if you, if you guys, if, if our listeners were here in the news section, Kai brought up uh, polar bears, first of all, and then also the uh, hairless polar bears, which I did then go ahead and uh, Google image. And dear listener, if you have not done so, please do so. Uh, for your own mental health, it's it's beautiful. And it reminded me very much of um, naked mole rats, which also, please go ahead and Google image naked mole rats while you're at it, because um, that's actually, that's the theme of all three of my uh, statements today. To but Truth also, Online. like, Google Google the, you know, spotted hyena fake penis. I mean, <laughs> sure, maybe incognito mode first, but yes. like, you do you. Um, but no, hairless polar bears, hilarious. Naked mole rats, incredible. And so all three of mine are to do with that, mainly because I was reading about naked mole rats today, and I just continue to think that they're the coolest, most amazing, insane animal ever. So three facts. Well, all right. two facts. One, one not so much a fact. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go. Here we go. Number one. Naked mole rats can survive in hypoxic conditions, that is, without oxygen, Mm -hmm. for significant periods of time. Okay. Number two, naked mole rats are excellent thermoregulators, keeping their body temperature within an exceptionally narrow range, despite the temperature of their underground burrows being considerably variable. Number three, naked mole rats have unique physiological mechanisms which make them resistant to both cancer... And acid pain. Okay. Let's go. Well, that was specific. It that was last very specific. <laughs> I feel like the second one was quite specific as well. What was the first one again? Uh, they can survive without oxygen. Without oxygen. Hypoxia. That's seemed... like completely without oxygen or just like a low. For significant periods of time. Completely without oxygen yeah. for significant periods of time. I think I've heard something like that before. So it seems like true. a useful thing for a burrowing animal to have. Yeah. So I, it's. But what a significant piece. I'm going to nod at everything you say very consistently. Yeah. Uh. Like, I think you're all making wonderful points. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're not reptiles. They, they have to regulate their own temperature. So I can imagine that they do, you know. Do it well. Yeah. But, and, and, but what do you mean by, like, you know, a very narrow range? Like, we regulate our temperatures so that it's between, you know, like, within one degree, pretty much. Within an exceptionally narrow range. I'm just going to keep <laughs> reusing the exact same words that I've yeah. used. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I gave nothing, so. Mm-hmm. It's more of a rhetorical question to the, to the room. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one was acid pain and cancer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like I've heard... The cancer thing before. I've heard maybe. cancer, but like acid pain, yeah. I haven't. So I'm just like, mm, did Kate just sneak <laughs> just, that in? Yeah. <laughs> it's very specific. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I guess they're all kind of convincing. They, they always look like they're in pain anyway. <laughs> 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 if you haven't Googled imaged them. <laughs> yeah. Please do so. Uh, <laughs> how would you? All right, guys, that come out? on. Like, I've got, I've got right, so much cool stuff to so tell hard. you. So you're going to need all to right, pick one. I'm going to go with temperature. Me too. I'm going to do acid pain. Ooh, okay, temperature is the lie. Yeah. Um, they cannot thermoregulate. They are essentially um, essentially cold-blooded. They are oh, okay. like they're they're not in the sense that that like you said they're not reptiles and they try to generate some body heat, but essentially they are the only mammals that that are more or less cold-blooded. So they wow. can't thermoregulate, which means that their temperature fluctuates with the ambient temperature um, and they adapt more with like behavioral means. They like a good cuddle. They like Aww. to huddle in their little tunnels and and snuggle up and um, yeah, that is kind of the one Achilles heel, well, one of the <laughs> Achilles heel of these insane animals that, yeah, acid pain 
and cancer. So yeah, I, I chucked them both together because I was only allowed three things. And I was like, these are all insane. So yeah, cancer for one, right? They essentially, it's there's a particular sugar that they produce, um, which researchers think helps make the naked roller mole rat skin more elastic and able to cope with being able to like squeeze tightly into like the underground tunnel, right? Mm. So this particular sugar might act to stop cells from clumping together and forming tumors. And so they essentially just don't form spontaneous tumors. And if they do get cancer, which is very, very, very rare, it's when they're really, really old, which they also live like – there's there's naked mole rats that are like 39 years old and most oh, wow. rats in captivity live four to six years. These guys are living up to 40. Like it's it's crazy. And so they might get cancer at like in their 30s, but that's insane. Yeah. Also acid pain. So acid actually with the naked mole rat, with their pain receptors, acid actually numbs their pain receptors um, instead of activating them, working as an anesthetic. So not only are they resistant to acid pain, it's just full on reverse. It's an anesthetic yeah. to them, like acid bath. I feel nothing. But, like, is that a good thing? Probably oh, not. Oh, not necessarily. <laughs> no, yeah, because I'm thinking, all. like, you know, if you can't feel that something's hot and then, like, you know, you have your hand there, that's mm. bad. Yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's because of the byproduct, which, you know, brings us kind of to our first point as well, mm. which is also true. They can survive without oxygen. Yeah. Mm. So in their, in their tunnels, in their burrows, they also block the top of their burrow mm. so that predators can't get yeah. in. Yeah. And so there's a lot of animals there. They live in, in big groups, um, breathing out a lot of CO2. Mm. Um, not a lot of oxygen in there mm. and there's a lot of sort of acidic byproduct in the atmosphere as a result of these hypoxic conditions right. in there essentially all just in there breathing, recycling yeah, yeah. air. Um, so they've for them specifically, living in these conditions, having acid not be painful is very useful. Yeah. But I can see how in the rest of the two. world, yeah. <laughs> but coming up to the, the oxygen thing, Essentially, in a lab setting, they found that, so first of all, at very low levels of oxygen, at about 3 to 5% oxygen, they survived for hours without any apparent effect on their behavior. So similarly sized mice can only live for 15 minutes wow. in that wow. stage. Um, and then zero oxygen, they can last for 18 minutes with no damage whatsoever. Uh, whereas mice and humans a couple of minutes and we're either mm. dead or brain damaged permanently. Mm. Um, wow. So essentially the main way that they're able to do this is because we need oxygen to – it's part of the whole chemical process that we use to break down glucose and get energy, right, mm-hmm. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. They have a supply of fructose, mainly around the heart and also the brain, that in these low oxygen conditions they can actually switch. They're like, glucose, nah, forget about it. Fructose, I don't actually need oxygen to extract energy from you. So I'm going to start breaking you down instead. So they have this like baseline supply of it's just a different sugar, essentially, that doesn't need oxygen in that chemical process. It's harder, it's harder work. And so they will use glucose when there is oxygen available, but yeah. they have this, they have a backup. Essentially, they're like, nah, breathing? <laughs> nah, forget about it. Incredible. I love them. So, well done, mm. team. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to get in more truths and lies after this song. It is Lie to Me by Five Seconds of Summer. Welcome back to Radio Silence, where we're bringing science into focus here on Radio Fodder. That was Lie to Me by Five Seconds of Summer, and now Kai is going to lie to us. All right. And also tell a little bit of truth, I hope. Hopefully. <laughs> Mostly we'll truth, I hope. <laughs> Only a little bit of lying. Um all right, so the first one is J is the only letter that doesn't appear on the periodic table. Oh, oh I've heard yep. I've heard a fact like this before. Well, hold on because I've got two more. <laughs> 
The second one is there are more trees on Earth than stars in the Milky Way galaxy. <laughs> okay. I feel like Katrina just knows all these. And yeah, I'm just like, did you get all of these from, like, the Science Works Weird Fact Wednesdays? <laughs> well, if – okay, this is probably going to make it less fun then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll stay silent. <laughs> then the third one is that it's easier to get to Pluto than to Mercury. So I'll just repeat right, them quickly. Them one more time. J is the only letter that doesn't appear on the periodic table. There are more trees on Earth than stars in the Milky Way galaxy, and it's easier to get to Pluto than to Mercury. So, Carla Kat- and Ka- Kate, I'll let you chat first, and yeah, then I might okay, jump in. Okay. So J is definitely not on the periodic table, but is it the only letter? Yeah, that's my line of thought. I'm d- I was I'm just, just trying like to picture ABC. it in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a periodic table mug. And I'm like trying to T-U-V. remember. Do you remember W-I. all of them? Yeah. Is there an? Yes, there is an L. I don't know. Okay, hmm. I'm. I'm. I believe that one. Yeah. Maybe. Is there a Z? Yes. You'd think so. Zinc. Zinc. Yeah. Zinc. Yes. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Okay. What were the other two? Um, uh, there are more stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Or tr- no, more trees, trees on Earth yeah. than stars in the Milky Way galaxy. I don't think there are. I don't think so either. I think... Because we... Do we know of all the stars in the galaxy? I mean, do we also know of all the trees? I don't know. Yeah, I, well. just, I just know we don't have enough trees. And, the, yeah. you know, I just... I, there are less trees than there could yeah, be. That's or true. should be mm-hmm. on planet Earth. And so... So many of them get, like, burned or cut or... Yeah. yeah, my landlord Logged. doesn't like trees, made us remove a bunch of trees from Aww. our front yard, and I'm, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> so just because of your house, that's, so that's incorrect. I'm going to say that that one's a lie just because of that. Uh, what was the last one? Mercury. The last one was that it is easier to get to Pluto than to Mercury. Yeah. What do you mean by easier? It's closer? It's... No, it wouldn't be that because that's too no, obvious. I'm not going to yeah. tell you. Mercury, that. Venus, Is Earth, it too hot? Mars, would we melt? Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Okay, so like Mercury's... I mean, closer in terms of number. I don't know how far apart these things are, though. I know nothing about space. Yeah, yeah Mercury, Mercury's, like, way closer to us than Pluto is. Okay, and it was but it's easier to get to Mercury. Yeah. It's easier to get to okay. Pluto than to Mercury. Oh, that yeah. way around. Okay. Which sounds like it shouldn't be true, which makes me but, think but that no, it probably Pluto's is. But Pluto's on a different plane. So, like, you know, all the planets are orbiting the sun on a single plane, but Pluto's mm. not. So, like, you know, maybe you could get there easily because you're getting away from the plane. Yeah. My Mm. line of thought is I know more about Pluto. We've got, like, more going on down there. So, like, (laughs) we don't talk about Pluto. Yeah, well, we know (laughs) enough about Pluto to demote him. Um, (laughs) um, Sad day for Pluto. I I think that that one's true because I don't think – I think it would be boring if you came out and you were like, no, it's actually easier to get to the closer one. So I think that it's true that it's easier to get to the further one. Yeah. For that, that's my logic. That's it's not your logic. Very well, you don't have any scientific reasoning to, yeah. behind that. Nope. All I right. have psychological. I'm not a real <laughs> well, scientist. Well, I talked about the plane thing. Yeah. I gave you some. Okay. I was talking about satellites. I'm like, I psychoanalyze like you right now. Down that way, so it must be easy. <laughs> I'm going to say Although, number two is false. The tree one. What? Although. Uh, well. Um, Okay. I mean, I can just shut up, but um, I'm wondering, are you counting Q? Because I know Q has been used in the periodic table not as an official name, but as a temporary name for elements that have not yet been named. So it depends on whether a Kai is counting that. Because J and Q do not 
appear. Okay, Q, but yeah. Q is not in an official element okay. name. Oh, so we have a. Mm, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And just laugh. Instinctively, I wanted to say the second one was the yeah. lie. Like uh, even when you read them out. So I feel like I've got to stick with my gut. You're gonna stick with your gut. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the last one just because I don't know if you are including Q. <laughs> I'm gonna, but I'm, I'm going to say, go with... if you come back and say it's Q, then I'm like, you know, I said it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm technically right, just so we all know. So Katrina has picked two answers out of three. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to, no, I'm going to commit to the second one. <laughs> all right. The lie is, in fact, the periodic table oh. one, and it is because of Q. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So there, yes, used to be a Q in the periodic table. That was until 2012 when element 114, previously known as ununquadium, yeah. which is 114, um, was officially named fluorovium because it was ah. discovered and the people who discovered it were allowed to name it and they officially named it in 2012. Oh. And which is like, that's fair. I... I Good for them. Good, I yeah. suppose. I, they made me wrong, but that's okay. Um, and I like this one because a lot of like fun fact lists about science will have this fact mm. as I stated it, but yeah, they're yeah. all out of date because they were written before 2012. Yeah, yeah. Um, though, like, have hope because if they decide they want to extend the periodic table beyond the 118 elements they've currently got on it at mm. another row on the bottom, mm. then it will... Re- Re- restore Q to the periodic table, <laughs> and you'll have unbiquadium, which is 124. Mm. Mm. Um, and then there's still hope for J, because one of these undiscovered <laughs> elements could be named with a J anywhere um, in it. Unbiquadium. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that's you say jod, because jod. apparently that's what iodine is called yeah, in some yeah, languages. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I think it'd probably be more of like a yod. Yod. Yeah. Yeah. Spel- yeah. 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 <laughs> but like at least with a J. Yes. With a J. Yes. Um, yeah. So do those countries use J on the periodic table? We don't talk about that. (laughs) 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 Well, not yeah, not in the actual official like. Okay, right, but there's element. Is it like like it's not even it's not even just the official element names in English. It's all like the full names, none, no J's, no Q's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Very crazy. Um, Yeah, yeah, quickly go through the other ones. Um, So there's about 100 to 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, and three trillion trees. Oh. Mm. There are lots of trees. Lots of trees. All right. Well, I, all right. Maybe I'll be less salty at my landlord (laughs) taking one away. I still think having more trees is probably good. Yeah. And then, yes, it is easier to get to Pluto than Mercury. And the reason for that is despite um, Mercury only being 77 million kilometers away, only. And (laughs) Pluto is a staggering 5.6 billion kilometers away. So Mm -hmm. that's almost, what, another 100 times further away? Yeah, right. (laughs) It's easier, takes less fuel. Um, you don't have to, you know, burn your rockets as hard to get mm, to like Pluto. Solar wind or something. No, it's because Earth is already going around the sun with a lot of speed, and mm. to get close to the sun, you've got to get rid of all that speed. Yeah, yeah. Whereas to oh, go out further, you right, don't actually need as much spinning yeah. and stuff. That's yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. That's. How that <laughs> <works>. <laughs> Look. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll be back with some more truths after this song. This is Truthfully by DNCE.
Welcome back to Radio Silence on Radio Fodder, where we are bringing science into focus. Well, science and maybe not so <laughs> factually correct science today. <laughs> that was Truthfully by DNCE. And uh, Carla's going to tell us some things, maybe truthfully, maybe not so truthfully. So what are your two truths and a lie? Well, I'm going to start with something that I believe is true. Um, and <laughs> that is... <laughs> it'll make sense once I say it. Okay, good. Um, that some words used to describe certain phenomena sound fake. Oh, my gosh. Have we got fake words? Have we got real and fake words? This yeah. This is great. Okay. Let's see. I mean, okay. I'm not going to tell you which one is real to get to begin with. But, um, but yes, definitely. The first one. So when falling towards a black hole, mm-hmm. an object is stretched in the direction of the black hole. Mm-hmm. And this is called spaghettification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I might mispronounce some of these. Borborygmus. Mm-hmm. Um, is a grumbling or gurgling sound made from fluid or gas moving in the t- intestines. Mm-hmm. And then scientists that study animal communication are called zoomophones. Zoomophones? <laughs> oh, I love that. I do love zoomophones. Um, well, sp- spaghettification, I just love as, as a term. I, I love it. I, like, I feel like that out one spaghetti. is true because I've heard that term before. I didn't know yeah. what it applied to, but I believe that it's that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that one's true. Yeah. Which is... Being sucked into a black hole. <laughs> spaghetti! Um, eaten like spaghetti. Okay. What was... Grom- Borborygmus. <laughs> Bor- Borborygmus. I know that it's a weird naming word. Like, it's a weird sounding word that describes it. I just don't know if it's Borborygmus or whatever you said Borborygmus. Borborygmus? Zoomophones, I just like. Zoomophone. <laughs> but, like, wondering if that's the lie. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, think about other words. Like, if an anglophone, someone speaks English. So, maybe mm. zoomophone means someone who can speak to animals. Mm. Mm, like, mm. Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, was it someone? Well, okay. So, we've got zoologist studies animals. So, like, a zoom. But, like, specifically animal communication. It's like, – if that's the lie, it's a well-constructed lie. Yeah. yeah. And Borborygmus is just such a, like, vaguely – that yeah. just feels like a not real word. It feels like Carla's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, taken a word that means something else and, like, swapped it in. Mm. Yeah. Hang on. Give me your word-for-word definition again of Borborygmus. Bor- that one. Yep. <laughs> um, grumbling or gurgling noise made by fluid and gas moving in the intestines. No, that's a fake one. <laughs> I don't know that, uh, by the way. I said that with such confidence that I feel like I need to clarify for our listeners that I don't actually know. But, I'm just uh, going to go with Zoomophone. I like yeah, it, but I... I I'll, I'll go I, that with that as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, Zoomophones is not a, not a word. Oh, <laughs> I made it up, okay, but it enough. sounds really it cute does. that it should be a word. Yeah, as, um, as Kate said, that's a well-constructed lie. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's zoosemiotics is actually the term used to study um, animal communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, looking at the signs that they use to communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. I wish it was called Zoomophones. So <laughs> that would be fun. Um, yeah, Borborygmus. Is exactly what there I said go. it was. And, yes, yeah, spaghettification is a thing that happens if you get too close <laughs> to a black hole, which I feel like would be very fun to watch, but... <laughs> not necessarily experience. Not yeah, even with someone not. you cared about. No. Oh, I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> the mad scientist comes out. <laughs> they pissed me off in the last day, says Carla. No, I, yeah, I take that back. It's fine. Um, I also have another short one if we have time yeah, to get yeah, into yeah, that Quick one. round, quick cool. round. All right, so... 
We often think of rainbows as having seven colours, so Roy G. Mm. Biv, mm-hmm. um, but there are actually about a billion different colours in a mm. rainbow. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A 2015 YouGov study conducted in 10 countries across, across the globe showed that blue is the most popular colour in the world. And the third mm. one, in the RGB colour mod- model, um, which is used to create colours on television, the colour um, yellow is actually made by combining red and green. Mm. Okay, I that know. True. Yeah, it is definitely true. That I was teaching true. kids that this morning. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. We can narrow it down again. Okay, 50 50 chance. Yeah, okay. Right. okay. Um, well, I know that it's not seven colours in the rainbow, but I don't know if like it's billion, because it's just it does, like. It's a spectrum, right? And it yeah, shifts yeah. as but, it around like it depends how many names we have for mm, colors yeah. probably more than a billion but originally people were like it's three and then some people were like it's five and then newton came along and said it's seven so you know everyone's like okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> apparently like only that. said it was seven for like spiritual reasons yeah the seven's like a more i don't know it's a rounded number <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 color per day but also apparently newton was kind of colorblind so he needed to get someone <laughs> yeah, else to yeah, be yeah, like so hey what color is yeah okay i mean but yeah. is it a billion yeah, I mean, I I'm just like, that's too many. So I know RGB color has like 16 million, mm-hmm. which presumably you wouldn't bother making. Like, I mean, can hu- human eyes can't see, can't distinguish no. a billion. We don't have that level of precision. A mantis shrimp, maybe. Um, well, like, what's the but point? But are of mantis saying- shrimps making this? Yeah, yeah but like, color is human study? perception, right? Yeah, so I would say it'd have to be a billion perceivable colors. Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna say that's yeah. The line. All right. Are we all locking that in? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a billion. They um they were saying within a rainbow itself, like if you saw a rainbow, mm. it's about a million. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. That's, still That's still a lot. Yeah. I was actually astonished one day working in the lab. We've got lasers and we mm. changed the wavelength of the laser by about a nanometer. Mm. And I'm like, a nanometer, that doesn't seem like much at all. Like there's no way you're going to be able to mm. see a color difference. And like it was quite you striking, could? yeah, wow. yeah. But then when when you think about it a bit more, you know, if there's like four hundred ish nanometers in the visible spectrum, like one mm. nanometer is one four hundredth of that range. And if we can see millions of colors, like well, yeah, that's true. If we can see more than four hundred colors, yeah, then we can see more than one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I guess it does come down to perception. Um, and we've perceived some lies, we've perceived <laughs> some truths. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in all semester. And if you are missing mm. us, you can catch us anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. So just check out Radio Silence and you can follow us on Twitter as well at Radio Silence. So to play us out for the semester, this is Lie by NF. <laughs>